Hey everybody, we are Martin, Robert, and Francis, and this is Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head, rent-free. Hey everybody, welcome back to Snakes and Otters. Thanks for being with us every week. So, I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Welcome to episode 31. <laughs> this is going to be fun, this is Christmas. Oh yes, tis Christmas in the air. So we wanted to do just something fun. This is our pop culture episode because yeah. this is fourth uh, Friday of the month, and uh, of course, when you when you're talking Christmas and you're talking people of our generation, it's all about the Christmas specials and the Christmas movies because TV is such a huge part of our lives. Absolutely, we grew up with it. <laughs> so I think we're just going to kick out some Christmas shows. And movies and why we love them. Um, I got a huge list. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Robert's list is a little shorter, but you know, hey, we're we're gonna run them all. I out like here. all of the ones on the list. It's just that you guys took all the ones that Mark <laughs> came up with. <laughs> Snooze, you lose, brother. That's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, because we all have a common experience here. Right. We're all the same age. We all have the same. Part of this is going to be nostalgia. You can't not do that. Yes. But there's so many people that did that. And for those who may be listening that are younger than us, you know, early 50s, your experience is is colored by our experience because yeah. we were the trailblazers for... There was no such thing as Christmas specials before us. Well, before the people who made them for us. Well, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, they start in 1964. I mean, I was born the next year. You know, you guys were right after that. Uh, we but, as children, that was a big yeah, deal. There's three channels on TV. That's right, and <clears throat> you looked forward to this. Right, this, this was three channels to watch. Period. Not three channels that happen to be showing the same thing at the same time. That's right. <laughs> yes, yeah. three. Period. That was it. HBO East and West. No, no, none of that stuff. There's three channels, and so we look forward to this all year long. You got to December, and you begged mom and dad, "We've got to watch." Charlie Brown, we've got to watch Grinch, we've got to watch... Rudolph. Rudolph. So, Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus oh, is coming to town. Yeah. Uh, so I want to kick off with one that I always loved, and that's Little Drummer Boy. Okay, because I wouldn't have picked that one. Nope, I can safely tell you that that one was not on, on my list anywhere. I remember, so, I remember watching it, of course. Yes. yes. Just wasn't yeah, mine. And that's, but that's why, I, just for some reason... It really struck me when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, of course, the story is he's, I think, an orphan uh -huh. and finds the Christ child in Bethlehem at the and plays his drum. Right. And the song is wonderful. Yeah. The the the, the episode the TV special is based on the song that already existed. Yeah. Yeah. And the song goes back a ways. It's, it's one of those great old-school Christmas songs right, that yeah. I love. I always love the old-school Christmas songs way better than any rock and roll Christmas song, which some of them can be okay, but... Well, I don't know. I, I kind of detest rocking around the Christmas tree, but that's another episode. I don't know, but, you know, Bruce's Santa Claus is Coming to Town is pretty good. I'll give you that. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. But uh, it's just... it's the Springsteen people. Bruce Springsteen. Look yeah. him up. Um, he still is the boss. But I always love that one. It's this tale of this boy that's all alone in the world. Mm -hmm. And he finds this way to be special. Um, 
from playing his drum. And Which is all just, he can do. It's just very... It was, I just remember it being very uh, affecting and emotional for me as a little guy hmm. when I would watch it on TV. You think that's a wow, universal... you got depth. Yeah. <laughs> you think that's the thing? Because all children, in many respect, feel like, what is my contribution to the world? What am yes. I going to be? Yeah. I don't think I fit in. I think everybody thinks that way at some point. At some point, yes. I and exactly I think right. you think that's why that hooked you? I think so. I think so. So, yeah. yeah. Doing something that you just naturally know how to do all of a sudden becomes this um, something that rises to the level of being able to give back to your creator. Yeah, it, it becomes an act of worship. That's exactly it. That's what Which, I'm trying to find. You know, we don't usually, you wouldn't expect us to go there in a pop culture fun episode, but, you know, there goes that eternal question. <laughs> yeah, we went right we, there, right We the always start. find our way, yeah. But, you know, one of the things, looking at the list of things that we've come up with, <clears throat> and maybe this is just because, again, this is, it kind of plays, you know, we, we tend to, to follow some similar themes from episode to episode. Yeah. So. <clears throat> And a lot of these Christmas ones, and not just because it's about the Christmas season, because not every one of these, very few, probably only uh, the Charlie Brown and the Little Drummer Boy are really about some kind of something the religious. The reason season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's got it, yeah. But in just about everything we see, there's going to be some element of a universal truth uh, to it. Whether it's a shared experience or a universal experience mm-hmm. or something that relates to the Creator. You know? Right. Now, part of that's because it's what makes a good story. Right. It's, there's also a lesson usually involved. There's a virtue that's being extolled. Yeah. And you don't see that as much in modern times. This was very deliberate. They're going to teach us to be good people as part of that. Yeah. And that's maybe that's why we like these yeah. so much. That's yeah. why they've stood the test of time. That's yeah. why not just people our age, but our children will watch and say, that's pretty darn good. It's, you know, it... Little Drummer Boy honestly is probably one of the ones that sort of faded from commercial yeah, we don't television. See it as much. We don't correct. see it as much, you know. But I, it was special. It was about using your gifts um, in, in, a, in an up, uplifting way. But yeah, it, it probably is one of the more overtly religious ones that's out there. Yeah, some are, most aren't. Yeah, uh, like, so, yeah. This one and the Charlie Brown are the only two that I can think of that are are fairly overt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, this one even more so because you actually have the manger at Bethlehem. Right, but yeah. I mean, you've got Linus. Uh, oh, yeah, quoting the, scripture. Yeah. yeah, Gospel of St. Luke. That's yeah. Yeah. pretty interesting. So, well, bringing it up, let's just move right then into Charlie Brown. Well, yeah, because that's one of those that's, that... That's your mm, list. It is. It's, uh, it's the second one that was ever done. Uh, 1965, it was literally, you know, you know, three months after I was born... Uh, and it has stayed with us all this time. It's not just us that loves this. It's people, everybody gets this one. Everybody remembers this one. Uh, Linus on stage saying that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. We get that. It's become part of our culture. And it's... Everybody remembers, the, uh, you know, all the kids doing the, the all the musical stuff that's on right. stage. But they also remember that tree. That's it. That's correct. That tree, which is... In many ways, the ultimate symbol of those that don't fit in. That's right. You know, how, how odd is it now that you realize, uh, as an adult years later, how that Christmas or that tiny little shrub of a Christmas tree? <laughs> it's not such was, a bad Christmas was tree. Was anthropomorphized all. into yeah. a, a kind of a person. It was a character in that show. It was yeah. Um, which to me, that's great storytelling. 
You know, that's storytelling on multiple levels. Yeah, it's Charles Schultz. I mean, well, it's, and Charles Schultz, he's a genius. He was, yes. and he was actively discouraged from having these religious elements in there. They're saying nobody wants to see that, and yet, at its re- so, it, 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 its its original broadcast was very well received. But they didn't run it again until like '68, and it was like the largest viewing audience like of all year yeah. when that came back again because people people really. Resonated that that whole religious theme message. Yeah. Nobody else is doing that. Yeah. Well, a little background on it is it's basically commissioned by Coca Cola. Right. They want to sponsor a show. Right. Yeah, it's back when that was done. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, yeah, because uh, most like, of those Charlie Brown specials early on were had a sponsor, Coca Cola yeah. and Dolly Madison. Yeah. Yes. Dolly and, Madison. And it was, you know, they they approach. Uh, I think it's Lee Mendelson. You know, and the the creative group there with Charles Schultz. Uh, Peanuts is taking off in the comic strips, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, well, let's do that. But you're right. Schultz put that in, and he put it in in a way that they couldn't cut it. Correct. It, it's the way it's written. Story. Yeah. yeah, you can't cut it. And he got that in, and he basically insisted on that being in there. Right, because they really, really uh, tried to get him to, to do to do that. But he's he's kind of the guy that owns these, so he didn't really, they couldn't. Yeah. So They let it pass, yeah. surprisingly. But it, you're right. It, it, they leaving it in. The critical reception's amazing to it, and it has become basically. I mean, it's not the first, but I I call it kind of the granddaddy. It is, yeah. It's the second. Rudolph is actually first, but it is one of the first. It's really yeah. there was no such thing as Christmas specials until Rudolph, and then which could have been a one off. Well, uh, think about it. TV's only ten years old. That's right. <laughs> really, yeah. Exactly yeah. right, and. Yeah. It, 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 and you also have to remember, too, that in 64, most of the televisions are still black and white. Yes. Because the networks don't go to full color all across the board until the fall of 65. And some of those great... Actually, they're not all full not, color Not all, 65. correct. That's right, because they're still running some, but the new shows were being Lost done. Lost in Space? Uh, 64. Was their first season? It's four, six, five. It's sixty-five, sixty-six. Are you sure about Pretty that? Pretty sure. Star, uh, Star Trek was just past that. Uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Man from Uncle. Those were all first seasons mm. were black and white. Second seasons were color because it's the fall of sixty-five is when they said. Well, that's why not to go off on a tangent, but Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea puts on these magnificent color uniforms for these right. guys because they want. Everybody's buying color TVs. Right. They're broadcasting color. Let's do that. That what's what's why the second and third season of Lost in Space has these amazing color palettes for these for well, the actually, costumes. The costumes were very colorful in the first season, you just couldn't tell. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, but not to, to segue, but uh, Bewitched did it start there? Because at least one season was in black and white. That's right. It's the same it's it's exactly that same time. Hmm. It's, I it's it was six, later, but fall sixty five right. is when it started. Now if the, if there was an outlier, I could be proven wrong. But most of them went color fall well, of 65. Yeah, yeah most of them. There were still others, because for instance, uh, Flintstones, which were network prime time. Sure. They were always in color. That's right. And yet they were they were prior to that. They were early 60s. That's great. There were some. Yeah. But it's 65 is kind of mm-hmm. when they said, we're making the decision. Everything we do from this point going forward is going to be color related. Well, and, and I'm sure cartoons and, and these animated... Uh, they, that probably looked like a good thing to do then. Sure, because yeah. you you get the bright color palette. Oh, you betcha! Yeah. Because Rudolph is in '64. Most there's lots of color, uh, black and white TV still out there. Yeah, 
Uh, oh, yeah. We had one at our house until the early 80s. Well, yeah. I yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, those little 13-inch ones that the kids get in the room. You know? yeah. <laughs> the, the, TV, the TV that we had when I was small, that I saw the third season. I was probably four years old, but I do remember the third season of Star Trek. It was broadcast. Uh, it was on a black and white TV. And it was like 70, 71 when we got our first color. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when we started watching the reruns yeah. in color. But, of course, one of the reasons that their uniforms were colored the way they were is because they show up great on a color TV. Yep. They sold a lot. It's the network working with the television manufacturers to sell color TVs. Yeah. By yeah. Giving, that's that's kind of the intention yeah. here. Well, it also makes you stand out from that's exactly. other things. You know, It's, it's marketing, too. That's exactly. Wow, we are really getting off the topic here. So, well, Christmas specials. Christmas. Back to Christmas. <laughs> but they were intended with that because yes. one of the reasons they rose at the time they did is because you've now mm-hmm. got a venue. Well, and, you know, contrary to what we this. think today, you know, the whole thing with, um, uh, you know, we call it nerd culture today with a lot of animation and comic book stuff being popular. But it's always been that way. Yeah, I mentioned the Flintstones, yeah. which had their own Christmas special at one point. Um, That's right. I you know, that. the Jetsons. The Jetsons. Around that same time. All, you know, there's lots of stuff. And you, you look, Howdy Doody. In the 50s. Yeah. Uh, what was the, the space one that they did in the 50s? Um, uh, it's not Space Ghost. He was later. No, no I mean, it was a live action one. Um, Sorry. I, I can picture the, the, the big, you know, uh, transparent helmets that they had and all this. But anyways, there's always been that kind of stuff in the popular culture. And here, it just seems to explode. I think partially because of the color. Yeah. And because everybody had a TV in the city by the 60s. Right. It may not have been big, but, you know, by then everybody was getting a TV. Everybody had something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's so interesting that so many of these things are tied to commercial interest. Like, even Rudolph is tied to a song. That's right. That was written, I think, in the 30s. Recorded by Gene Autry. To help sell stuff at department stores. That's right. But then they became more. And they became their own cultural touchstones, yeah. which the television geni- could uh, yeah. play on. What's well, the genius of the guys who created them, like Charles Schultz and Rankin Bass, which did yes. so many of those. Uh, all the stop action ones are well, Yeah, which Bass. is kind of unheard of. There's nobody else doing this stuff. That's the only They were the DreamWorks of the day. They were. They were. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Really. Or, the, or the Pixars. This is yeah. before this stuff was being done. And, yeah, Pixar. I meant Pixar. Yeah. And they've really come up with... Uh, if you watch some of the cable channels in recent years, they'll show there were actually a lot more of those Rankin Bass Christmas oh, specials yeah. that ran only one year probably because they kept realizing well, this is pretty good. They were not ne- they didn't have near the legs that some of these did, like Rudolph did, or uh, and maybe we can switch into the other one that you're talking about, the Year Without a Santa Claus. Oh yeah, that's yeah. one that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah. No, that kind of jumps over. One of the other it was a early later. good ones. It was seventy four. Yeah, uh, you know, it kind of is almost the sequel to uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, yeah that's right. So that's okay. That was but, the origin story one. Yeah, that's yes. the origin and, story. and they would always get. That's where we found out that Mrs. Claus was a hot ginger. Yes, when she was younger. That's right. Here's yes. Mrs. Claus. Here's yeah. Mrs. Claus. Let's drink some basil Hayden to Mrs. Claus. That's exactly right. She was really. There's a lot of appreciation for Hodgin. Well, yeah, because you had some, and you had some really good. Uh, you would always get a Hollywood star uh, that kind of carried that. They learned that with yeah. Burl Ives 
and Rudolph. You would always have a, a name that the went with sledding, them. skiing, because he had no legs. Snowman was always the you know the the, the great yeah, thing. That's Burl Ives, yeah, as the snowman. That's right, yeah. And he started that, and I believe it was Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire is, that did Santa Claus is, is coming to town. Because yeah, these guys can, you know, these are singers and TV movie stars that kind of go yes. with that. And so, it was Mickey Rooney and Shirley Booth. Shirley Booth in the year without, without Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. And yeah. Dick Shaw, nobody wants a skinny Santa. Amen. Yeah, uh, Dick Sean as uh, the cold miser. Yeah, that's right. Snow, oh. snow miser. Oh, snow miser. Snow that's miser. Right. Uh-huh. Yes. Mrs. Robert loves the heat miser and the gold miser. Yes, those oh. are oh. they were they were so amazingly good. I mean, me and my sisters would sing this. Oh yeah, constantly. Oh yeah, small. and the. And the uh, Put one foot in front of the other, and the Meister huh. Burger, Burger Meister. Yeah, and it's a difficult responsibility. All of that stuff from those shows, we do them all the time. That's Love right. them. And Love it, them. What's What's really good about this is we would do this, even though we saw them only once a year. Oh yeah! By the time we've seen it a second time, we have them memorized, <laughs> and we're doing them for about three months before the shows oh, come yeah, on, so knowing son, that they're coming. My son, when we see anything, what do you mean you only saw it once a year? Why don't you just record it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, of course, they're the, oh how tone deaf they are sometimes. But that's yeah, right. I mean, I mean, that's what made them special, though, is because you couldn't record them. That's right. You, know, yeah. you had to you had to be there you that buy night. Them on disc. Right. You couldn't, couldn't well, it's an advertisement. If you were late, mm-hmm. that was the worst thing ever. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's an advertiser's dream because oh, yeah. they, because no, they Mom, knew yeah, that you can't be out late. Charlie Brown's on tonight. That's right. We right. gotta go home. That's exactly yeah. right. But yeah, I mean, we would, or, we would walk know, across the living room. Can I stay up late it. when you're really though? Can I stay up late to watch the special? You know. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, you know. Back then, kids, you know, they didn't stay up till you know midnight when you're in you know, second Most grade. Most of these ran at eight yeah. o'clock, but for yeah. the little bitty ones, yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember that my, you know, being the oldest of of four, my two sisters right below me, they would hide behind the freaking couch when the abominable snowman came on because you know, you know those moments when they they very very well the bumble the bumble. bumble. Well, the bumble. it's before he's bumble. He's abominable snowman earlier because he's scary as all get out. Until he loses, as they say, his choppers at the end. Uh, but yeah, they, 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 why, they so very well tease that. What and was if, the elf that wanted to be the dentist? Was it Dennis? Yes, no. Hermie was the dentist. Hermie. Hermie, Hermie. Hermie the dentist the with the swoop the of the blonde hair yes. that goes out of the uh, elf cap. Yeah, yes. One of the great characters, really. I mean, that's... Uh, I forget who wrote, but it's Rankin and Bass that did that. That's a brilliantly written oh, yeah, and, you know, the, the show. Uh, All about misfits. Yeah. Yes. The Island of Misfits. Island of Misfits toys. Yeah. That's become part of our culture and our language today. Yeah. We, we get that. It's become well, so ingrained with us. It, partially it's because, and I know I harp on this sometimes too much, but it, stories are so important to human beings. And they're important because they tell us things about ourselves, either... That you know, we want to, to remind ourselves to not be, or that we aspire to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And stories are—they are—they're how we tell each other everything. Yeah, stories have a purpose. We don't yeah. tell each purpose. other facts. We tell each other stories about facts. You know. Right. Yeah, and, and Rudolph is this great story of acceptance and community and love and. 
you know, this whole group of misfits. Well, diversity. It was diversity but before it, diversity became controversial. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. It was reckoning. Of course we need to bring those people in. Uh, doesn't matter, you know, even if you are flawed, as the story would go, uh, you have a place too. Yeah, sometimes your your flaw is what, what is, is what makes you good. That's yeah. correct. You know, I, I kind of like the idea of a water gun that squirts jelly. I don't know about you, but I think I like that. <laughs> I still do. Water gun that shoots caramel would be awesome. That's even oh, better. Yeah. That's right. All right, so now there's there's one more biggie we didn't hit because we talked about the two Santa Claus. Well, we didn't talk about your uh, year without Santa Claus. Yeah. We well, touched we on it. We mentioned it, yeah. We mentioned yeah. it, but we haven't really no, gone there good. yet. We did good with it. We, we talked about the two Santa Claus. We talked about Rudolph. We talked about Charlie Brown, Little Drummer Boy. But the other biggie, the other cornerstone of Christmas is Grinch. It is. Yeah. So the reason that I like the Grinch, and there's a lot, well, there's a lot of reasons. One, you know, a lot of the obvious ones you guys already took. But. <laughs> Sorry. Well, uh, we jumped great, in first. Great music. It's got. Boris Karloff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Singing. Uh, uh, Thurl Ravenscroft. Sorry. It's supposed it's, to be Bar- Boris Karloff. Yeah, but I mean, right. it's got Boris it Karloff in it. Yeah. And, you know, it's got the great song. You know, you're a mean oh, uh, one, Mr. We Grinch. so know that, don't we? It's become oh, so much it. part of what we are. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows what a Grinch is. Even if you've never seen it, you know what a Grinch is, That's right. right? Exactly. And it is, it's also, now that I'm an adult, that I have uh, come to a particular faith, I see that as, this is a great Christian allegory. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because it's a redemptive story, Mm -hmm. you know. It is a story about uh, a a cold, uh, you know, a small-hearted man. Yeah. Because it's it's two sizes too small. Two sizes too small. And grows to be, what, three sizes sizes too too big. big. That's right, yeah. uh, At the end. And, uh, you know, he had basically no heart, then he gets a heart. And it's because of the kindness yeah. of Mary Lou Who. And it's Mary Lou Who. Uh, Cindy, Cindy Lou Who. Cindy, Cindy Lou Who. Well, yeah. it was part of that. But also, what remember the moment that he, he's about ready to dump everything off the thing. It's when he sees the Who's come out yes. and sing. Well, she plants the seed. She plants the seed. And then he sees... The result of what he's they done come is not what he expects. Christmas, you know, what was it? The line goes: "It says Christmas." He didn't. The Grinch didn't stop no, the Christmas, Christmas from coming. coming. It came. They came out and sang, even it, though they had nothing. Because there can be joy without possessions. Material without possessions. That's right. Yes. Joy without. And there's another lesson. So I, there you go. There's two creative geniuses behind those. Schultz mm-hmm. behind Charlie Brown. And Theodore Geisel, Dr. Yeah. Seuss, Dr. Seuss, behind right. Grinch. Right. It's like, wow. These guys are trying to tell us stuff. Well, it's the fun, best. And we need to how listen. How formative was that to who we are today? I submit it's you can't, so. You can't tell. Because it's the sort of stuff that, because it becomes cultural touchstones, yeah. it's impossible to measure the effect it has on you. Well, that's it. correct. Because it works on you in so many different levels. Exactly my point. Uh, which all good entertainment does, you know. We, we've pardon me. Uh, you know, we've talked about this before. It makes a good story, and n- it's not just you know that there's action. You know? Not at all. Mar- In fact, some of the best stories have no action. That's right. Most of those have very little. You know, I mean, you, you Charlie Brown has no action. No. <laughs> um, no. You look at Pride and Prejudice, one of the great novels. No, no action as we would define no, it today. It's a freaking love story. So it's human relationships, right? When we look at 
um, uh, all, almost every movie that we love, it's not all of them, but almost all of the greats, probably all of the greats, almost every movie that we love for one reason or another, there's something about that human interaction, those relationships yep. that we are able to identify with. It's good storytellers know that they have to have the stories relatable to the people that they are telling the stories to. Exactly it. These do that. Not just because they're about Christmas, which everybody in the United States loves. Because, I mean, this is meant for a U.S. audience, right? Yeah, right, it is. But it's because the stories themselves have timeless, universal elements. And every one of them does. Every single one of them. You know, even if you look at the... Uh, the because you, I, I sort of want to use this because we've talked about you know it'll be a year before we get to doing this uh, to the movie aspect you know when you talked about Die Hard is it really a Christmas movie or not <laughs> you know the things we remember about that you remember a lot of the action and all the lines but you yeah. know what the parts that make John McClane likable mm-hmm. are not the funny lines it's the interaction with Al the cop and that's right his wife even the interaction with with. With Hans Gruber. That's right, Hans Gruber. You know, where he's, te- you know, he's, where they're in trading Argyle. jabs. Yeah, in Argyle, yes. That's right, Clay, Bill Clay. You know, when they're up there talking back and forth. It's right. a human interaction story. And all of that stuff, even though it's it's an action thriller, that stuff gets boring if you can't relate to the guys in them. And, right. You know, these Christmas movies, they are eminently relatable. Whether it's the drummer boy or the dog that's pulling the sled in The Grinch. Oh, I love that Max. dog, Max. Max, there you go. That's right. Max he's, is a great character. That's right. He speaks nothing, of course. He says not he a si- need to. He says not a single word because he's, he's a dog. dog. Yeah, that's right. But he loves his master. Yeah. I mean, that's something that comes clear, even though he's a son of a bitch. That's right. Yeah. He's the of course. Most, that's a dog. Well, dogs yeah, yeah. love everybody. That's dogs right. Even love though, everybody. even the most unlovable character of all, the Grinch himself, before his conversion. Max still loves him. That's how you know he can be converted. If the dog, because if a dog doesn't love you, you're going to hell. <laughs> well, oh, profound, sir. <laughs> we, we don't deserve dogs. We don't. We don't. <laughs> yeah, the old saying: I, I, I aspire to be the kind of person my dog thinks I am. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, you're right. But it's it, these characters again: stories of redemption, stories of community and love, and finding a way to use your gifts. You know, mm-hmm. these are all all great stuff. Even Year Without a Santa Claus, it's about a man who has lost hope. Right. And how do you restore Regaining it? And it. how do you restore it? That's right. And it's by turning the tables. It's by doing the obvious, you know, the inevitable yet surprising ending, which is right. all the kids give Santa a present, saying, you take the year off, it's okay. That's right. That see, there's that's when the whole movie turns. Yeah, because Santa that's Claus the is con- point. his. It's his conversion. Yeah, because he converts from someone who doesn't care anymore, right, to someone who is re-energized. He's jaded. That's correct. He's saved by grace. That, oh, oh, and the oh, heathen says this. Oh, boom, this bumps. Boom. Oh, wow. Yes, exactly well, right. see, uh, when you combine good Basil Hayden bourbon and eggnog cake rolls by Little Debbie. You get some pretty amazing shit. Well, that's you great. do, <laughs> but you know, you, you nailed that because when you think about it, that's exactly he it. was he 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 was converted by a free gift of love. 
That's it. That's what we're talking about. There is no better definition of grace. Uh, this is deep shit for cartoons. I, it <laughs> is. Why do you think they have survived, survived and yeah. thrived? Because and, and otherwise other, they would Other ones fall by the wayside. That's right. These ones, one of the reasons we picked the ones we picked is because they have universal appeal. They stood right. the test they, of time. It's not just... still in our hearts. Well, yeah. that's, it's, it's true, but we could have been, you know, everybody else would go, huh, what's that? Most everybody knows every one of these things we've mentioned. They've the, all heard of them. The They've things, probably seen them many times. Right. The things that move people are the things that speak to our humanity. Mm-hmm. So we've and talked about the that. stuff that, you know, the conversion, the humanity, you know, the, the, the uh, belonging and the, the contributing your gifts and what have you. So just to show you that it's not all about that mushy, you know, uh, touchy-feely kind of stuff. Right. About stuff that moves you, stuff that stays with everybody. There are people that have never seen it, but they know the line, my God, as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Oh, you went there. Oh, wow, that's right. I hadn't forget. Yes, that's correct. That they, moves us because they, it's so absurd that's right. that everybody finds it funny. They've never heard of WKRP in Cincinnati. Right, but they, they know, know that, that line. line. That's right. Now, that's nowadays, exactly. everybody that knows the line has probably already watched it on YouTube. What? Thank Yes, because it is... But there was a time when there were so many people that... You know, didn't have access to YouTube, obviously. Yeah. Still knew that line, even though they had never seen WKRP in Cincinnati. They, they didn't get the, the context, but they knew the line. It became one of those cultural stories. That's yeah. right. It's, and it, that's what these are. Yeah, you know, right. It's kind of two ends of that spectrum, right? Yeah. But it's the same thing. They touch us. They touch us in our heads and our hearts. Yeah. And sometimes they just touch us in our funny bone <laughs> better than just yeah. anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes absurdism... Stays with us. It, 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 well, when, when, it, when, it, it, when the writing is brilliant, yeah. gentlemen, you know yeah. it stays with us. I mean, uh, we will always hear that Gordon jump in our in our heads. You know, as God is my witness, mm-hmm. I thought I thought turkeys could fly. fly. Yeah, and of course, with all the humanity, inhumanity, in case Nesmith. you just tuned in, the Pinedale Shopping Center has just been bombed, bombed with, with live turkeys. <laughs> that's right. See, it's a. Uh, <laughs> I mean, things. Howard Hesman could not have done anything after that line. He'd still be basically. It would have been the best thing ever. He could have retired on a high note. Yeah, yeah. Then, then there's the part about when Les is telling the story about what happened. Well, then something weird happened. And Mary's like, something weird happened? That's right, yes. The turtles got as if they were organized. <laughs> it's like they mounted a counterattack. <laughs> the, the brilliance of the writing. Oh. I tell you, it's just, uh, that's humor. And that's humor. Technically, that's least. a Thanksgiving story. That's but right. It, it, but, you know, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, everybody talks about that. Yeah, so that's it's right. It's kind of a yes, Christmas story. I love it, love it. Uh, but you know, I just had to bring that up because it's the opposite end of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. I know I showed it, it really to my is. children for the first time, and they were kind of like, "Huh, what?" Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they started getting it. And you realize, "Oh my God, this is absolutely one of the greatest comedic moments ever ever filmed." It is. It is absolutely the most. You couldn't uh, stop hee hawing. Yeah. Even today, I can you know because it, it does build a little bit slowly. Yes. And yeah. Well, the like, YouTube YouTube gets the, gets the piece. That's really yeah. all you need, and that's the kind of thing I showed to my nieces and nephews who are in there. You know, you know, eight and ten, and they kind of all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're gut busting it because it's so funny. Uh, even the smallest of us get it because it's got that humor that goes with it. Some of the best comedic acting on that show was in that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The guy that played Les, I can't remember his name. Um, William, um, William Sand no, excuse me, that's uh, that's Daryl. Uh, especially William Sanderson, that's not right. 
It's close to that, though. I'm so sorry. Anyways, the guy who plays Les, that whole thing telling the story about you know the the turkey counterattack and everything, that was just it was just some of the best comedic timing you'll see. And you know, this is filmed in front of a live audience. Can you imagine be sitting there in the live audience? Well, in the seventies, that was the common way of doing things. Yeah, I mean, all the family did it. Sanford and Son did it. So many of these other now, shows. Some shows did not. Like if you ever watched uh, I Love Lucy, you can hear the same laugh track. Yeah. Over and over. Yeah. Because uh, you hear, like, there's one, uh, like, it's like somebody says, uh-oh, one time. And it's used in, like, every episode after that, <laughs> you know? Right. Because, <laughs> like, well, we got the laugh track for one episode. We'll just use that over and over. But, yeah, th- can you imagine seeing that sort of stuff the first time live? I, I it just It just boggles the imagination. I, I, I would imagine the, the audience for that episode probably felt like they couldn't breathe. They were laughing so hard. Because to see that live in front of you would have been just and you imagine, Can you imagine how many takes that must have taken in front of the live audience? Because, you know, you've got to film this and you got to cut away. once Because when the audience is laughing for five minutes, you can't film that. <laughs> well, that's a testament to the actors that they can do this and pull this off. I mean, uh, some of these shows, a, a few of these are done in, uh, like Barney Miller, was often done in one straight take. Yeah. You know, you've yeah. got really folks that really have to do this spot on first try and that's a that's a testament to the to the great yeah. uh, great but, techniques yeah uh, but again it's all good stories yeah that's why yeah. we kept with it that's why you know and that's kind of what we want to end on more than anything else yeah. is you know if you haven't watched these I be, would be surprised but maybe you haven't watched them lately this christmas season take a few minutes and uh and walk through this and rewatch some of these things because they're yes, worth yeah, the time. Especially rewatch Charlie Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, it's any Charlie Brown the best. except the very last ones they did. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving's funny. It yes. is. It was uh, later actually. Yeah, it was uh, late seventies. Yeah. The Halloween out. episode. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Yeah. yeah. Still But uh, Rudolph, Grinch. Year without Santa Claus. Year without Santa Claus. Santa Claus is coming to town. Little, Little drummer boy. Uh, even the New Year's it. one. Um, Rudolph's Shiny New Year? Shiny New Year, that's it. Yeah, which was a sta- stop motion of the same yeah. one. It's kind of like a sequel. It was. Uh, yeah. It's meant to be a little different. It wasn't as good. It was, it's still a classic. It still is. That's right. It's it, still all a those classic. ones that, the, that it's they It's the did. hero's journey. That's really what it is. Yeah. Well, in, in many respects, that's kind of what a lot of these stories are because you go from. Uh, innocence to experience, to quote Don Henley. Uh, that's kind of what this happens, is Rudolph and Hermie go from innocence to experience. Yeah, well, you know, again, it, it's the, those universal truths that speak to us in the stories. You know, sometimes we are the reluctant person. We don't want to step up. And we end up doing it. Yeah. You know, because it's the right thing to do. You have a gift. Yeah. You need to use it. And yes, because it, with that gift comes both privilege and responsibility at yes. the same time. With great you power comes ha- great responsibility. Oh, with great spider. power must also come <laughs> yes. great responsibility. All right, we went, we went Spider-Man. Um, we did. Well, you know, it's great stories. Um, all those things, it just, it's, it's kind of like the, the last week's episode where we, uh, actually I don't last week or the week before where we did uh, Thomas we talked about the individual has worth outside of the state mm-hmm. statement it's right. kind of like this like in Charlie Brown the individual has worth outside of the clique 
Oh, yes, that's correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. Hermie matters more. Actually, he begins to matter after he leaves. Yeah. And so does Rudolph. That's when they find themselves and they come back and they have tra- and they transform the clique. Yeah. Uh, by their by their experience. They transform that's, themselves. That's, they, after, they, after they've been transformed, they, they bring that same transformation back. That's the Christian experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what you do is you, you receive Christ and he has to change you. Mm-hmm. It, it's in baptism we say, receive the light of Christ. And part of the, 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 the right is that you're expected to keep that light burning brightly. And you come to stand before him. Of course, it's a metaphor because nobody expects that tiny little candle to last until you stand before Christ at the last judgment. That's right, exactly. But the point is, you're supposed to take the gifts that you have received in baptism. But Rudolph's nose will last. Rudolph's nose, yeah. Well, you know, we, we've never seen whether or not he can leave it on his entire life, you know. So it probably does need to... You know, it's true. You know, we've, we've spot, talk, taken this whole episode and we haven't talked about Rudolph's nose specifically <laughs> at all. And you know why? Well, we talk about his gifts. We talk about his gifts because it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, the gift is not so much the nose. That's right. That's kind of the expression of uh, that's played out, the action. But the gift is the willingness to serve the rest of his his, his team, for lack of especially a better word. in a crisis. In a crisis, it's that willingness to step up. Uh, you know, right, you know, Rudolph is another uh, great hero's journey story. Not so, every story so is a leadership. hero's journey. Yeah, to show leadership. But the best stories are. Yeah, because in, in, in case his is literal from birth to ascension, you know, to, to his becoming the essential hero. You can end. say he is a type of Christ. Sure. In scriptural terms. A type so. being an, a, archetype. Uh, an archetype or a forerunner uh, predicting, even though technically because it's a Christmas story <laughs> after the birth of Christ, <laughs> but it's the same concept, you know. Yeah. He's... He's a Christ-like figure. Yeah, that's right. He comes, brings something very different that transforms everyone and makes them better. He's the Christ. That's good stuff. Who knew these things were so darn deep? Snoopy is... Peanuts is very full of theology, actually. Snoopy is one of the Christ figures. He's one of the ones that has it all together. Charlie Brown is is St. Peter. He's the... Those who need redemption the most, who try and fail so often, but bring their own heart with them. Linus is the one that knows uh, that is he's the truth teller. Is he Paul? Uh, yeah, I would call him Paul. He's the or an evangelist anyway. He's the one that brings the truth to others. Uh, I haven't figured out what Lucy is yet, but there's there's lots of stuff written about this. <laughs> Lucy's that thorn in the side that Paul talks. I about. I like that. I like that. That's right. That's very good. That's exactly. Yeah, right. we're we're again. You talk Theodore Geisel. You talk Charles Schultz. Yeah, they drew cartoons. But they really were geniuses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no other comic strip as influential as Peanuts. There really is. Absolutely. That's I mean, great. there's two dozen in the daily paper every day. Mm-hmm. I don't recognize most of them. And, uh, and, and, most and, people don't. Yeah. You know, I mean, some are funny, and there, you know, we, there's been quite a few that have been important and influential. Nothing like Peanuts. And it's Charles Schultz. Well, it's because he kept that uni- those universal ideals yeah. very much alive. He was entertaining always. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like Doonesbury where it was political. Right. Um, it was the innocence of childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the Yet same time... Yet exploring very adult explore, ideas. Uh, yes, exploring deeply and not anything to do with mm-hmm. current events. Right. So, right. I mean, we could do a whole episode on Charles Schultz. I mean, it's yeah. culturally... 
wonderful. Uh, yes, is is I think the right national word. treasure. Yeah, uh, may he rest in peace. By the way, yes. yeah, that's right. Uh, but uh, he was recognized in his life, didn't he? He was. Get oh yeah, Presidential Medal of Freedom or something I like that. I think you're exactly correct on that. Yeah. If he uh, didn't, he, he should have. Yeah, yeah, I think he was recognized. Uh, at, but Peanuts original strips for what fifty years. No, Something like it that? was more than that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Which is kind of amazing. Yeah, he so, predates us. You know, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's late fifties, and that's part of the 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 uh, impetus for approaching him about a special. Is I think he was on the cover of Time in the early sixties. Yeah, because it, it had already become so important, such right. a big deal, uh, at drawing peanuts. That, that's why he was approached, and you know, talk about artistic integrity. There he was, right. the yeah, Charlie he, he Brown special. It, he wrote it. It stuck to his guns too. Yeah. So this is the way it needs to be, and ha- it'll have to have this this religious piece in it because otherwise it doesn't matter. So yes, and you know that's something that we, as a society, not we as a threesome here, we lose far too often. Um, whatever religious holiday you are celebrating this time of year. Uh, there is a bigger than yourself reason for it. Yes. Whether it's Hanukkah or Christmas or whatever. Right. Uh, so when we focus on consumerism, we lose sight of that. And, you know, the, the funny part is we all know that. Almost everybody even laments that. That's right. Yeah. Except the retailers. <laughs> They're pretty happy with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even privately, I, I got to think at least some of them are like, man, this is just awful. Is this is this all there is? Is there nothing more? Yes. Which, of course, is well, the question that Sometimes they itself. ask that, but they mean something else. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, they open up the cash register. Is this all there is? Um, but, you know, it, like you were saying, it, without, uh, not to be cliched, I think you said it earlier, the reason for the season, whatever your particular season is, it's meaningless. Um, it, it's hard to have a cultural discussion. Uh, it's hard to have a culture without universal truths that are shared. That's right. So even a culture of atheists, if they were truly, truly true to that, you know, uh, believed and hewed to, to the atheist idea that this is all happenstance. There's right. no order to the universe other than science. This is just a lucky accident that we are here. Okay. Then there should be no laws. Or any law could be changed by majority vote. So if we decide by majority vote to institute the purge, where one day a year you can do whatever the hell you want, right. then that would be morally acceptable because there's no such thing as a moral norm. As long as it's acceptable. As long as it's acceptable well, to the majority of the people. And even then, the minority should be able to say, well, who are you to impose that upon me? Because your truth is no better than my truth. Every but, one of these recognize that is not true. Thank you, John Stuart Mill. But yes, that's exactly it. You know, yeah. there, there is more to, to life than just whatever you think is right. Amen to yeah. that. Well, guys, I didn't expect us to talk about Christmas specials for 45 minutes. But, Holy crap! But oh, we yeah, sure there. have. We yeah. sure have. So... We can turn oh, anything was, into a good discussion. It was wonderful. Amen. Uh, and, and I think we gave credit to some creators that oh, yes. needed... Uh, that was kind of... An, uh, that was something I didn't plan, 
didn't expect us to do. Well, yeah, but we, that that was great stuff to give credit to those creators. Because there's a reason that this that wanes after a period that even though television had not even the, in the cable period, yeah. we talk about Hallmark movies and things like that and specials. Oh, that's all good and fine, but this still remains. Yeah, this still has a classic appeal because it has a universal appeal that they eventually gets lost. That multi-layered super... That's that, correct. Again, little kids were walking across the living room singing, you put one foot in front of the other. Songs and meaning and the acting, the voice acting and the dialogue is all wonderful stuff. Well, it was and quality it's in our heart. as opposed to quantity. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just, it's in our heart forever. Because, you know, the limitations of the technology at the time, it obviously is cruder than stuff we see on TV and in movies today. Which is a real shame because it is far too often dismissed because of that. Yeah. It was years before I could get my son to watch black and white. Because he thought black and white equaled boring. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I did get him finally to watch... Um, oh! Arsenic and Old Lace. Oh, okay. Yeah. He loved it. Well, sure, if you give it the chance, it's the story, dude. It ain't the medium. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, he's he's learned to take a little bit of a flyer on some things, not always. Yeah. So I worry that stuff like this, because, uh, you know, it's not on TV as often as it used to be. Uh, and often now, it's not on regular TV. It's on some obscure cable channel. Your system may or may not get, even if you do, who knows if you've even recognized that it's going to be on because you've got 500 channels and there's still nothing on and you probably have a, a v, uh, either a DVD or a, even a VHS somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got these all on DVD. Sure, we do too. And, you know, but we're the ones who want to pull them out and watch them, not our not kids. Not our kids. That's right. Isn't that <laughs> so, I mean, I do, I do. I worry about stuff like this losing its cultural touchstone. Um, that common shared experience. When our generation yeah. is gone, who's going to care? Now, and I would be willing to bet that our parents and grandparents probably had something that they thought would be a shame to lose as a common cultural touchstone. So it's probably not unique to us. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, radio shows. I'm sure our grandparents growing up loved those because you got the family all gathered around the radio together sure. uh, to listen to those. And, you know, now we just listen to them on our phones, you know, by ourselves. Well, we probably don't listen to them at all, unfortunately. Well, I mean, anything on the radio. Well, it's a oh, podcast yeah. I was say, or but, music. Yeah, those shows that they love so much, nobody listens to. Them. Well, and, if you, and Sirius has classic radio shows channel. Oh, wonderful. They're really cheesy. I will admit that. Some of them are fun to listen to, though. They really are. Granted, I like the old 30s movies anyways, yeah. the, the old black and white. So for me, it's kind of like listening to one. Yeah. Well, so much of that was live, too. I mean, yes. The Grand Old Opry was considered to be must-listen-to show for, for generations. Yeah. Uh, that Everybody listened to that. I kind of um, wish my grandparents and parents were still around just to ask them, what do you regret not having around that yeah. you had as a kid? Yeah. Because it would be interesting to ask, don't you think? Amen. Gentlemen, we've got to wrap it up. Yeah, we got to finish up. This, this is great, great stuff. Uh, so here's to Charles Schultz and Theodore Geisel and all the great creators of all Rank, these great... Joseph Rankin and Arthur Bass. And yep, the, and the whole teams of animators for the oh, stop yes. motion stuff. and To uh, Boris Karloff. And, <laughs> oh, that's and correct. Thoral yes. Ravenscroft. That's right. And all the kids that did the voices for Peanuts. Because they really did hire child yep. actors. Yes, they did. So... Uh, 
That was awesome stuff for episode 31. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks for being with us here every week at Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Be sure to spread the word on your social media accounts. Follow us and retweet us. We are on Instagram and on Twitter at Snakes and Otters. Let your friends know that they can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just search Snakes and Otters Podcast to find us, and please remember to leave us your comments and reviews. It helps people find us. And you can always send us an email at snakesandotterspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Martin. I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Catch us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel. <laughs>